You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Cinema Geekly's NXT Companion Podcast. It's Anthony and Jacqueline back talking more NXT on the WWE Network and Hulu. Jacqueline, this was a, a big and a long week of wrestling. It was so much wrestling. Uh, you and, and if I recall, you said you, you caught a chunk of Survivor Series? Yes, I watched all but the last match because it was just going too long for my liking. Wow, so you caught like the, too much of it <laughs> you got the one hour of nxt tv this yes. week and then you got whatever was two ish plus yep. hours of takeover and man you said you watched everything but the last match on survivor series so then it's another uh, three and a half ish wait hours. are you are you including pre-show because we had that on too holy this <laughs> no. is why i couldn't it through the last match. It was too much. Uh, you must have felt really great at one point when they offhandedly mentioned that nothing on the pre-show counts. Uh, yeah. That was fun. I I also watched Survivor Series from beginning to end, and uh, ultimately I think I might be done watching these shows live as they happen. I think uh, I'll wait to hear right. if anything really great happens on them. I really liked the... Uh, I really liked the last two matches, although I hated the end of the Ronda Charlotte match, and I also hated the fans a lot at the end of that match. So, I also hated the end of the Ronda Charlotte match. Yeah, it was a cheap ending, and I, and like I said, I also greatly hated the fans at the end of that match as well. Oh, were, it wasn't because it was a cheap ending. I don't like that they're trying to make her out to be like this weak, demure person. Well, I'm like she's fucking Ronda Rousey. Well, that's the weird thing, right? Like Charlotte killed like. Ronda took a beating in that match, mm-hmm. but a weak person, which isn't really weak, like a normal person who's taken a beating and had their like head slammed into a chair would like be helped to the back uh, at best or at worst taken out on a stretcher, but she left on her own. And then apparently, even though I've not seen it, but I have heard that she came out on Raw the next night and was just totally fine. After taking a severe beating, which is usually not how it works in wrestling. If you take like a severe beating to that level, you're you're hurt in some form. Or you may maybe you have a sling on or some yeah. bandages on your face or something. Should have had a neck brace. I don't know. I just think that they are trying to make her be too much of like like they want you to feel bad for her almost or something. And I'm just like, no, nah. mm-hmm. no, she's Ronda Rousey. Like she can she can deal with this crap. Like no, don't make her weak. Yeah, you don't want to. She's not a sympathetic character. She's supposed to be a, a badass. Right. And that's my thing is that it's like, not that, yeah. like, not that I would never feel bad for her, but like, 
like no she can take care of herself like she's a like she's a very strong person like she can mm-hmm. do this anyway and they, and i think they were trying it. to elicit sympathy but um not only do they not elicit i don't want to go too far into it. I, i'm just going to end up ranting about how fans yeah, react not to going things to uh, mm-hmm. Let's instead talk about a place where fans, for the most part, love everything that they're given. NXT. Yes. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the go-home show for War Games. Uh, and then we're going to talk about TakeOver War Games. So there was not a whole bunch. Only three right. matches on the show. And then a lot of hype, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. So we got uh, Bianca Belair and Mia Yim in uh, the opening match. And... Mm-hmm. They were fine, but I they kind of underwhelmed me in this one. They I didn't agree. do a lot. I agree. It was was it fast? It, like was it like ish. a it was a very short? Yeah. It was short, but know. it was not uh it was short, but it was not quick, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, ex- yes. Yes, slow moving. And it's one of those things where it's like we've seen Bianca Belair do such great things that like I guess I just mm-hmm think she's going to be great. I don't know. I don't love this rivalry right now. I don't uh, love it yet. I, I thought it would be a much better match because I've seen other I've seen other Mia Yim work before and she's yeah. pretty good. And I've seen her in a lot of really good matches. And I know Bianca's capability. I know she hasn't, she's obviously not reached full potential. Obviously she's still learning, but mm-hmm. she's got a lot going. And this was just kind of underwhelming. They didn't do a whole lot. Everything they did was okay, but like nothing looked bad per se, but it was kind of just there. And then Bianca hoisted up Mia for her kiss of death, the KOD and pinned her in one, which is fine. But I I think I was expecting a bit more. I, I agree. I agree with that. And I just think that the chemistry might not just be there. Maybe. It could be a thing where they just don't have a a good chemistry. Or at least not yet. I feel like this Mm -hmm. is a very rushed rivalry. Yeah. And so I just, I don't think they've had time to develop that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I feel like, because with any, like, we've talked about, like, Johnny Gargano and um, Tommaso Ciampa. Like, their rivalry is great because of the chemistry they have. Like, Yeah, and they've had a very long time to develop it all. Yeah, and so this is just super fast. I'm not saying that it won't ever be good. I'm just saying that this is, I don't know. It's just lackluster right now. Uh, Kathy Kelly was backstage with the good guy team for the War Games match. (laughs) She asked them who would be representing them in their singles match in the show. She noted that Kyle O'Reilly was already selected by Undisputed Era, and uh, they kind of argued back and forth, basically between Pete Dunne and Ricochet, about who was going to do this match. And then Hanson from the War Raiders, he stood up and said, I'm going to do it. And then everybody was like, okay, the big scary guy said it, so he's just going to do it. We're going to listen to him. We're going to listen to the big scary Viking man with the big beard. And uh, they did. So it's Hanson and Kyle O'Reilly in the main event. Uh, In another interview, uh, Kelly is now talking to Matt Riddle about his experience (laughs) since coming to NXT. Uh, He referred... He referred to his debut last week as a successful debut, which made me laugh. Because, <laughs> I mean, seriously, screw that French sounding word. It's debut, everyone. Cassius uh, Ono interrupted the interview to confront Riddle. Uh, ono wanted an answer to his challenge 
for a match between them, and Riddle accepted the offer to set up a match for supposedly next week on NXT. Uh, mm. And Matt says that he's glad that they finally talked because that means now they can fight. Uh, okay. I like his approach. He doesn't want to just fight somebody. He wants to talk to them first. And if we cannot resolve our differences through conversation, then perhaps in the ring is where it needs to be settled. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that, I mean, that's, that's what I got. Maybe it's not that deep. He's I, such a noble sports entertainer. Yeah. Uh, we got Lacey Evans and Carissa Rivera, who she got an entrance, but I don't know who this lady is. Yep. Uh, she wrestled Lacey Evans. It was relatively okay. Quick? Yeah, it was quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lacey punched her in the face and beat her. Uh, afterwards, Lacey cut a promo uh, in which she called all of the women in NXT uh, classless nasties. Yeah. That's her phrase. They lack sophistication. Uh, and that Lacey is going to be leading by example. Uh, by bringing uh, apparently class uh, to them, so I I don't know what to do with her. No, nah, me neither. I neither does NXT apparently. No, I mean I feel <laughs> like I feel like right now, as of this moment, they are leaning more towards uh, like I feel like they're trying to go for this like Rosie the Riveter vibe, but like the not feminist version, like the you know. Those are two completely opposite things. <laughs> I think they want a Rosie the Riveter look, but a, um, you know, housewife type vibe. Ah, they want a a 1950s pinup. Yeah, they want they a want. they want a conservative Rosie the Riveter is what they want. It's not a thing. Oh my <laughs> gosh! NXT writers, please reach out to us. Yeah, we will tell you how to do this correctly because. Clearly, you don't have direction on her. I mean, anyway. I mean, you can totally do like a heel by doing like a, uh, yeah. I think you could totally do the the woman heel who's a, um, maybe like a a feminist, but her feminist views are that, um, you know, like the old ways were like how it should be done or something like that. Like a, I don't. Like a I, less I know, modern think, version or something, maybe. Maybe, I, but I just think they're doing her character completely wrong. I agree. Like, especially because they talk about how she used to, like, if she was a Marine, mm-hmm. why are we not, why are you not capitalizing on that? Yeah. Like, like if you want to make her, like, like a, like an Andrew Sisters, like, 1940s type person, like, cool. Mm-hmm. But also make her the, like, cool, badass Marine. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're kind of going for, like, the, not just specifically the pinup look, but kind of like the pinup military girl look. Like exactly. Those, like those dancers in the Captain America, like the first Captain America movie where he's out doing the USO tours, <laughs> trying to sell yes. war bonds to people. <laughs> like, yeah, and then she can use, like, her military service as, like, a thing to, unlike most military people who tend to be relatively humble about their service she can like use it to flaunt it or whatever that yes you know, like i did this nobody else what is did volu- you do? yeah nobody else is volunteering to do it you know to do what i did or whatever right. none of you women you know could have gone through what i've gone th- you know there's a lot of stuff you could use there there is a lot call yes. us call us triple h we got some ideas over here yes hunter 
<laughs> We're here for you. <laughs> uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Hanson in the main event. Uh, this wasn't yes. overwhelming, but it was easily the best match on the show, and it was, uh, for the most part, quite good. Uh, yes. Because both of these guys are uh, surprisingly entertaining. Uh, you really wouldn't think it yes. to maybe look at them. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you look look at Hanson and you're like, that guy looks interesting, but... Uh, right. And and that's Kyle O'Reilly just looks like this, um, or Kyle O'Reilly, I say his name wrong, just yeah. kind of looks like this, like, scrawny, quote-unquote, for a wrestler, I guess. Like, Yeah, he's, like, he's muscular, but he's not buff. Like, it's, yeah, he's, like, hunched over in his back. He looks like a swimmer. You're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, that's a very good... I That's, like, the perfect analogy. He actually kind of has... Like a Michael Phelps esh like esque thing yeah. going on, yeah. Like curvature to his spine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but he's I think he's probably one of my favorite wrestlers, yeah. In the sense that I think he's very very talented. Yeah, everything he does looks so like it looks real, but at the same time also smooth. Like in effortless, real, yeah. In real fights, people don't look this smooth like they only look like that in movie fights but he manages to yeah. kind of do this movie fight-esque movement where everything is so sharp and clean and pretty looking but it also looks like it hurts really bad yes like he is clearly setting himself up to be a stunt man after wrestling yes. i mean like any submission this guy puts on like i believe he could win with any submission he puts on because it looks like he's really trying like a lot of people they they slap on their submissions and they look like you know they're doing like the fake anguish yep. face but he always just looks like he's doing it yep uh so this match was pretty good they uh o'reilly fought like hell for a while just to take hansen off of his feet yep. uh and eventually he did and was able to to beat on hansen for a while uh but then he came back uh hansen did uh, and they did, uh, they traded some falls back and forth. Hansen missed a moonsault from the top rope, which was pretty impressive. Uh, yes. Adam Cole tried to interfere, but was thwarted. Uh, mm. He tried to interfere a second time when Ray Rowe, Hansen's partner, came out and uh, stopped Cole from doing this. But at that point, uh, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong ran out and attacked Rowe. Uh, of course, knee-jerk Bobby Fish could not help but attack Ray Rowe's leg. Yep, or, yep. Or Pete Dunne's leg when Pete Dunne came out. Like, Pete Dunne and Ricochet all came out to, to brawl with everybody at ringside. Yeah. And, Bobby uh, Fish was just going for the knees. I mean, Jacqueline, you called it. You're like, he's the knee-jerk. He goes after everybody's knees. And he does every week. Yeah. It's his thing. Uh, it is. And uh, in all of this hullabaloo on the outside, Kyle O'Reilly grabbed his NXT tag title and smashed Hanson in the face with it and pinned him, giving the Undisputed Era the advantage in the War Games match. Yes. Uh, So, uh, any thoughts on this last match? And uh, how would you rate this go-home episode of NXT? Sure. So this last match, of course, you knew Undisputed Era was going to do something shady. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it delivered. Um, so I thought it was, it was entertaining, like you had said. Uh, the show as a whole, um, relatively slow 
not super great, but I I got that they were doing it because they were building up to um, TakeOver. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be lower for me. It's probably going to be about a two, two and a half. Yeah, I gave this a two and a half. This yeah. was... And two and a half out of five is average, everybody. There you go. Uh, it was just there. But it did what it needed to do for the big show. Exactly. Uh, which we can talk about now. NXT Yay! TakeOver War Games 2 from the Staples Center in L.A. Uh, we are welcomed by Mauro Ronaldo, who is back on commentary. I was so excited that Mauro was back. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of Mauroisms throughout the night as well. Uh, and I love that the crowd gets into him. Sorry. Yeah, oh, they, they chant his catchphrase. Mama Mia is even, fantastic. <laughs> even when Morrow isn't chant, even when Morrow isn't screaming it, the crowd's like, "That was a Mama Mia for me," uh, and they <laughs> chant it. Uh, I mean, like the first thing Morrow did was mention the passing of Stan Lee, and then went mm-hmm. on to talk about NXT's Fantastic Four tonight because there were four matches scheduled for the show. Yes, because uh, yeah. that's Morrow. And then Nigel was like, "Oh man, I need something as well." Uh, war games will be like our Infinity War. Yep. <laughs> he had to try to think on his feet there and didn't quite get it. And then Percy was going to say words, but was interrupted by Matt Riddle's theme song. So this was a surprise, Jacqueline, because yes, I believe I told you last week that this was a match that was scheduled to be filmed before Takeover and to be aired on the Hangover. NXT show next week, right. uh, but in the post takeover conference call thing that Triple H did, he basically said I lied that they wanted to do something hmm. like this on the show as a uh, surprise. In fact, since we won't be reviewing the takeover hangover show, although mm-hmm. you're free to watch it if you want to, of course. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> there are actually three matches, and I will spoil them oh. thusly. Uh, because two of them were squash matches. Keith Lee squashed a nobody, and Lars, okay. and then Lars Sullivan squashed a nobody. And as far as I know, Lars Sullivan continued to punish this man, and Keith Lee makes the save. And I think they're going to have a match, obviously not this coming week, but the week after. Okay. Um, and the main event of that show was Candice LeRae and Nikki Cross, which... Interesting. I have not seen the match, obviously, but uh, I heard that Nikki won, which is interesting. Hmm. I have lots of thoughts about that, though. Yes. But that's so, besides the point. Maybe we'll have quick thoughts on them next week. But next week, we're going to be reviewing in full the NXT UK episodes to compensate for this hangover edition of NXT, which will be 90% uh, recap videos. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> take over. So Matt Riddle comes out and uh, everyone is like, why are you here? You're not supposed to be here. And he says that he's not supposed to be here. He doesn't have a match on takeover. But Cassius Ono uh, interrupted his interview that he had during the pre-show, which I did not see. But uh, Matt took further offense to this and he admitted that they do have a match on NXT next week. But why not move things up a bit? So he calls out Ono. Ono comes out, says Riddle is too stupid to know that he's not supposed to be out there, and says that he hopes that he uh, is enjoying this moment because he's going to knock him out and he won't remember it tomorrow. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Cassius gets in the ring, 
Matt Riddle turns around to put in his, his mouth guard or whatever. The bell rings. Cassius runs at Matt. Matt turns around and hits him with, admittedly, a really great flying knee. And knocks out Cassius Ono and pins him. That's the match right there. They did a flash. Like, a, and like this happens in MMA. I know that happens, yeah. like, all the time. Uh, so I know they wanted to do something sort of like that. Because I... If memory serves, I think Moro had said that Ono said that he could take him out in like one second on the yes. on yep. the pre-show. So this was like Riddle turning the tables on him and knocking him out. Um, yeah. So this wasn't a match. This really, not really. No, this like didn't need to happen. No, but um, I'm like I would have preferred a match. I would have too. Uh, but I'll talk about it. Uh, I'll talk about the reasons why I would have preferred this to be a match. Uh, it fits in a little bit with the only real criticism I have of the show, but it'll have to wait until the, the main event of the show for me okay. to, to bring it back up again. So ho- hopefully I will remember it then. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is that I'm still super impressed with how Matt Riddle kicks off his shoes. Yeah. Uh, and the people seem to really like him. They do. And everyone was chanting bro. I should note that there is, um, and, and people really should, if they can find the time to do this, really try to dig out the supplementary material that WWE puts out. Uh, they recently opened a YouTube channel for the performance center and they're going to be putting, they're putting performance center content on there. And one of the things that they put on here is this, uh, I think it's like a welcome to video or something or an introduction video. And it centers around Matt Riddle and it shows him showing up to an NXT thing for the first time and meeting Triple H in person for the first time. And, but then they do like a little, it's only like a six or seven minute video, but they do like a little personality piece on him. And that's pretty cool. He's got a really interesting story, more interesting than, um, than, than most. So, yeah, he, it it seems like almost that he came from, like, essentially middle class, or maybe a little lower than middle class, uh, like, living at the moment. Like, him and his wife, because he's got a, I think he's got maybe a kid or two kids, uh, and okay. they are, they were struggling mightily, uh, because he, he, he was working for UFC, but uh, they didn't like that he smokes weed. And I think he had a problem with the guy who ran UFC. So he stopped doing UFC and wanted to pursue indie wrestling, which at least at the very start doesn't make you a lot of money. He started making good money near the end of his run, but him and his wife were still struggling mightily. Like you can see in like the video that like, they're not living in a lavish home. It's like they're, they are struggling and this is, you know, his dream. He's living his dream. You meet his mom, who's basically like, he doesn't play a character. Like, that guy you see, like, if he's smiling, he's happy. If the way he talks, that's how he talks. Uh, so it's an easy way to en- endure yourself or endure yourself to uh, these people. So if people have the time, go watch the supplementary stuff, because they, they add, like, a little extra character layer um, into mm-hmm. it. But otherwise, yes, you're right. I was disappointed that this was not a match. Uh, yes. I think Triple H in his conference call even admitted as such. I think he noted that if they had uh, 
promised a singles match and then did this, that the fans would have been very upset. But since this was a complete surprise, uh, he was kind of right. The fans didn't really have any time to be upset. They were too busy having fun because of the out-of-nowhere pin. I think it was just more confusing than anything. Like, why even do this? Like, that was my thing. Like, why even do this? To me, this felt like this wasn't a match. This felt like a wrinkle in their story. Yes. It was more like a an angle or a storyline segment than it really was a match, which sometimes happens. Uh, Mm -hmm. We go right into Shayna Baszler, Kyrie Sane, two out of three falls for the NXT women's championship. Yes. Yes. This was really good. Uh, This was very good. So this is Kyrie starting off like a house of fight. Like she's just going straight after Shayna from the bell, just hitting her with a ton of stuff. And it looks like she's dominating for a bit. But then Marina Shafir, Jessamyn Duke come out and distract the referee. Shayna gets caught. Or Shayna catches Kyrie in her choke. And Kyrie yep. tries to escape, but she has to tap out. Uh, so that's one fall for Shayna. And then Shayna like, hits her with a knee like straight away for a second fall. And... I don't know if this was on purpose, but I kind of like the weird symmetry of Matt Riddle obliterating oh, Cassius Ono with a knee. <laughs> and then people are, and like Shayna hits her, hits Kyrie with a knee out of nowhere. Like that might help people think like, oh boy, that could be a finish only because it's in their mind that they just saw it happen. Right. Um, but it, it wasn't, she kicked out. Uh, uh, I think the second fall, for the most part, until the end, was mostly Shayna trying to get Kyrie back into the choke and Kyrie trying to uh, escape. escape. And then eventually she starts to get the upper hand again, but Jessamine and Marina tried to interfere a second time. This is when Dakota Kai comes out, kicks Jessamine yes. Duke right in the face. Like, holy cow. Like, blasts her in the face with a kick. Uh, then Marina jumps on Dakota, and then they're two on oneing uh, Dakota when Io Shirai makes her NXT. This would be her debut officially, I guess, because she hasn't been on NXT television yet. Okay. So this would be Io's debut, and I'll forgive the wonkiness of her running because her running involves her running, getting up onto the top rope, but not in the most sly or expertly way I've ever seen. <laughs> It took her a second. I can forgive all this because she does, like, the prettiest moonsault I've ever seen in my life to the outside. She really does. Like, yeah, I, I even forgot that she, like, was awkward with it because her, her flip was so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my daughter pointed out that it was more impressive because she was wearing... Uh, jeans. She was wearing skinny jeans and, like, platform boots. Yep. That had, like, heels on them or something, so... <laughs> That actually was very impressive. It was. Uh, so she did this. The crowd's going crazy. Um, actually, you know what? Oh, my God. I've jumped ahead. I've jumped ahead. That's the third fall. The, that is the third fall. The second, you forgot. I forgot the yeah. second fall. The second fall uh, is, uh, again, I think it's because of the interference because Marina and Jessamine did interfere in the second fall. But Kyrie wiped them out on her own and then did her diving elbow to the outside onto all three of them. Yep. She almost lost her balance on the top rope for like a second. And I Mm -hmm. gasped 
audibly because like the option there is falling backwards off the top rope. Uh, yes. But she regained, she regained it. She regained it and then did her elbow to the outside onto standing opponents, which was bonkers, and then hit Shayna with her elbow on the inside and pinned her. Yes. Then the stuff that happened with Dakota and Io happened. So Io hits her moonsault, and Kyrie goes to the top rope again for her elbow. And this finish was tremendous. She flies off. She, you think she hits the elbow, but. She doesn't. Like, Shayna catches her arm on the way down and rolls her into a crucifix pin out of nowhere and pins her and retains the title. Right. This was great. I loved it. It was, a, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very good, like, big kickoff. Yes. Uh, I was I was a little wary of putting... I don't think the women have ever opened a show officially. I, I'm not okay. counting this riddle Cassius Ono matches uh, the opener. Oh, no, no, no. So, uh, <laughs> it barely counts as a match. So, I, I don't think they've opened the show with them before. I was curious to see how the crowd was going to react, but they were on fire for this match. They were, and I think there's such a good storyline between the two of them. And you really just have, like, as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, you just see, like, Shayna Baszler can never be a face. I she have can't. no idea. I mean, the only way she, you could ever turn her baby face is if you did the, you know, like the real anti-hero turn. Like, yes. like a Stone yep. Cold Steve Austin turn exactly. where he's now just beating up bad guys, but he's not really changed. That would be it. That would be it. She will never, right. And, and you're watch. I'm watching this match. I'm like, I think that's kind of why I like her though. Cause she's just like unapolog- unapologetically like fuck you like, yes <laughs> and i'm okay with it yeah um but i think their match is so i think that their rivalry is just so good and they're they're like it kind of goes back to what we were saying before um mm-hmm. about the nxc so like their chemistry is so good that like it just makes it so much fun to watch and it's yeah. why like they probably trusted them to kick off the show mm-hmm. i love the yeah i love these two together they just yes. have uh i enjoy their matches more and more as they have them uh, yes. And obviously they're setting they're, up a big uh, six-woman tag between these two groups of, of So, people. yes, and I've seen it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've seen Shayna Baszler, Jessamyn Duke, and Marina Shafir um, all wrestle together at house shows before against mm-hmm. Kyrie Sane. Is it Io, Io. Shirai? Yes. And it wasn't Dakota Kai. It was a third woman with them. But Dakota Kai comes out at the end. Like, so this is mm-hmm. something that they've been doing in house shows for a while now. Like, ah. I think I saw them over the summer together. Ah, so, so yeah. They, something that they've, they've been, been setting up in house shows for a long time. They've been thinking about this for a while, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely starting it. Um, or they're Because they're, they, I saw um, Justin Duke, her first. Her first match. Uh, like, live. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so they've. This is something they're definitely working towards, and mm-hmm. I think they're doing a, They're doing it smartly. They're not pushing it too much. Yep. You know, little things here and there. They didn't yeah. debut anybody tonight at ringside. Instead, X Pac was shown sitting at ringside with his dog. <laughs> he takes that dog with him everywhere. Uh, yeah, so you got to have someone. <laughs> yeah, you can't have nobody in the crowd this time. Yeah, uh, they're in L.A. Uh, I mean, David Arquette was there. Uh, of course he was. <laughs> Alistair Black 
and Johnny Gargano was the next match. They showed a tremendous yes. video package highlighting the feud. And Pretty cool. Uh, I, I'm going to go on record right now and say that this was my favorite match of the show. And was okay. my and it was my favorite match of the weekend as well. I could see that. This was so like you I got into this match. I don't usually get into wrestling mm-hmm. too much. Yes. Even though I watch it all the time, I'm I, I'm like on my phone or I'm on my computer. Like it's on in the background sometimes. But I, this I actually like stopped and watched. I and I normally there's a couple of things uh that I wanna note as just like tidbits for this match, Mm -hmm. but, uh, normally I don't like the extra layer of the, uh, the extra layer of drama in wrestling matches. So Shawn Michaels is a coach at the performance center and, uh, Hmm. he's famous for this sort of thing, especially later in his career. Uh, like, uh, very famously when he retired Ric Flair right before he kicked him in the face, he said, I'm sorry, I love you and kicked him in the face uh, okay. and then retired him. He's very famous for this extra. Li- so his, his hands were kind of all over this because mm-hmm. the match would stop a couple of times for drama dialogue and such, uh, which you normally don't see in a lot of wrestling. Not, not many matches stop for the wrestlers to say something to each other. Uh, right. Normally I don't really like it. I feel like you can tell the story with the match without having to pause for, um, you know, here's where you say your lines, but I feel like it worked pretty good in here. Cause I feel like they only really, they only really did it one time where it was really standout ish. Yeah. And that was right at the end. And I thought it worked perfectly. So was that when they were sitting or like, no, this like was like, down? this was oh. like right at the end when Alistair talks to him right before kicking him and pinning him. Oh yeah. Um, that was really good. I mean, they did do it a couple of other times, but weirdly enough, they were like, uh, it was like a subversion of what usually happens in those situations. And I'll, I'll ex- I guess I'll explain when we get to it, but um, mm-hmm. Johnny Gargano, he comes out first and mm-hmm. I was already blown away by his entrance. You mean Johnny Takeover. That's right. So part of me was convinced. I've, I've since watched his entrance a bunch of times and now I'm less convinced but part of me was convinced that they took his theme music and subtly slowed it down just a teeny bit to make it seem a little off kilter. But I've rewatched it back a couple of times and I think maybe they just played it at regular speed. Perhaps I was thrown off by his all of his new video graphics, which do yes. not have the normal Johnny Gargano emoji. Instead, it's like the Teeth. evil venomy looking one, mm-hmm. the teethy one. And Johnny likes to come out on takeovers, especially with Marvel-inspired gear, because he's a nerd. He's done, like, Star-Lord in the past and Captain America in the past. Love it. And this time he comes out, and it's Punisher-themed. And Punisher is, of course, like, uh, a bad guy, but he's also kind of a good guy. He's a bad guy who does bad things to bad people. Is the pun? He's an antihero. Yeah, Shayna Baszler. So yeah, like so. This is like <laughs> just looking at Johnny's gear. Like if you get the reference, then you know what Johnny thinks of himself as oh, the character. Gotcha. He's the vigilante. Yeah, and 
he might not, he may have done some bad things, but for good reasons, just like the Punisher. Uh, mm-hmm. And he comes out there and he's doing this excellent job of trying to pretend like he's good old Johnny wrestling. He's putting his mm-hmm. hand over his, you know, to shade the light so we can see all the people that are there to see him. And he's got a smiley face, but sometimes the smiley face turns to like, you know, why are people like not cheering as much as normal? Like he gives one little kid a five at ringside, uh, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. But there's a lot of booze and he's just looking around like he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, yep. He told it's a tough line to toe between the good guy who thinks he's or the bad guy who thinks he's a good guy. And he did yes. a good job of this. So Alistair Black comes out wearing what I can only presume is the skin of a dragon that he killed uh, yeah. before coming to the arena tonight. With his bare hands, yes. Yes. Uh, I'd like to think he just gave the dragon his spinning kick, and it just killed oh, it. Maybe. Uh, but anyway, they proceed to have a really good match. They do. And I had forgotten how much I loved Alistair Black. <laughs> he's a lot... He's kind of like Kyle O'Reilly in a way, that he does... Yes. All these incredible chains of moves, but like O'Reilly will do it with submissions a lot, but Black does it with like kicks and knees and things like this, yes. where it yeah. just looks like he murders people with these moves, and but they all look so sharp and precise. Anyway, they have uh, they have a tremendous match, a lot mm-hmm. of back and forth stuff, a lot of crazy things. Like Johnny Gargano trying to do a dive onto Aleister Black to the outside, and Aleister Black knees him in the face in midair. Yes. Uh, Oh, my gosh, that was crazy. Bonkers. Just craziness. And Johnny, we've gotten to the point near the end where Johnny has gotten the the upper hand on Aleister Black. And he's going to set up to do the, his old DIY with Tommaso Ciampa super kick out of the corner. His, Mm -hmm. His half of their tag team move. And uh, Alistair stops him mid-motion and does his, like, zen cross-legged, you know, sit down in the ring. And then Mm -hmm. dares Johnny to give him his best shot. And then that fired up Johnny. And then, I don't know why this this tickled me so much, but Alistair Black says, Yeah, give me your best one, John. Like, it's so weird to hear call Johnny Gargano John. John. At least he didn't say Jonathan. Give me your best shot, Jonathan. Uh, (laughs) But he said John. I just, I don't know why I love that so much, but I did. Uh, And Gargano's like, oh, you want my best shot? That's when he goes for the knee. The chompa knee. And this is like, like I said, this is kind of a, well, this, this one really wasn't. Like, this was a trick. He went for the knee. And Black was obviously waiting for him to do it and moved out of the way and almost pinned him. But Johnny escaped and kicked him a few times. And then he did hit him with that knee, but Black kicked yes. out. Uh, Johnny tries over and over again to try to beat him. He puts him in the Gargano escape. He's screaming, I'm the hero. Just tap out. Yeah. Uh, and he, But then he can't beat him. And right. Johnny gets frustrated. And he lays his head down on Alistair's boot, because Alistair will sometimes lift up people with his boot before he gives them the the black mask kick. Okay. Uh, so Johnny just lays his head down there, like like he's putting himself in the guillotine or something. 
Yeah, he's, and he's like, just do it. He's like, just finish me off. Now, this is subversion because, or what they did was subversion because this has happened in a, in a few matches. Like, notably, like the Ric Flair retirement match or the Shawn Michaels retirement match, where in both cases, the guy who lost urged his opponent to finish him, and then they did. They're just gotcha. like, they're just like, I fought all I can fight. Just, just do it. And that's what happened here. Johnny's like, just do it. Just give me the black mass. It's over. I'm done. And Alistair lifts him up. In fact, he said, I don't know what he said to Johnny here, but Johnny's like, thank you. Like right before he goes to kick him, but it's a subversion. Johnny has fooled him and, and ducks the kick and tries to, and tries to beat him. But that also fails. And at the end, Alistair hits him with a ridiculous knee strike. He hits Johnny with his black mass kick, but Johnny falls forward onto Alistair's chest. So Alistair is just holding him up with his chest and then grabs him by the face. And this is their dialogue moment time. Uh, But he looks at Johnny and he says, I absolve you of your sins and kicks him in the face again and pins him. So Alistair wins. Johnny loses. I have a theory because I was convinced because you I think you called Alistair Black winning this match. Did I? Yes. And I believe I called Johnny Gargano winning this match. Okay, that makes sense. Or vice versa. Yeah, it was one of them. Um, And I was wrong. But I do have a theory as to why he... Well, because my feeling is like Johnny just turned bad guy. So he kind of needs this... You know, I was envisioning a win where he uh, embraces the dark side further and sort of cheats and wins. Oh, that's right. And then he realizes, like, this whole being a bad guy thing is working out for me. Yeah. But I do have a theory as to why it's okay that he lost here. And that it doesn't necessarily affect his character. But before I mention that, I have talked enough. I want your thoughts on this crazy dramatic match. It was very dramatic. It was crazy. It it went on for a long time, but it Mm -hmm. didn't drag, which I thought was just a testament to the two gentlemen who are in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I just want to give everyone credit who wasn't in War Games that they stuck to just one ring. Yes. I felt like Johnny Gargano probably wanted to jump off the top ropes of the second ring into the first. You know what? I, like it's one of those things where I'm mm-hmm. like, you got the toys there, you're not using them. Congratulations. They um, nobody nobody only made it as far as like the divider. That's as far as it ever yeah. got. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. Anyway, um, but this was a. F- I just thought it was it was super fantastic. I thought Alistair Black did a really good job. Um, mm-hmm. and I do think though, with um, in terms of character I think they're just trying to make Alistair be the good guy more so than anything else Mm -hmm. they're trying to make him like the favorite yeah that's my guess they did a good job Uh, the people were really behind him here they really were and uh I've, and especially since he's been out for a long time right has, mm-hmm. has he's been out since the summer yeah uh he's been out since this was just before SummerSlam so he's been out since uh August like, sometime okay so I mean so this was fantastic because he it looked like he had no you know what I mean like he looked like he had been doing this for forever so yeah if anything him. I thought he looked better than when he left and he was good then there you go so I don't know what also, happened but yeah his entrance but when he just kind of like pops up from the coffin thing he's in yes that is the coolest thing it, it really is like I can totally look past the whole fake candles that they have out there um, yes. like the flameless candles, but it's a, 
it's an it's a neat ambiance, but really the whole like yeah. rising from the grave type thing, whatever that is, that's really that's cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Johnny Gargano losing here. I'm. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've actually opened up two really good possibilities. Uh, and in my prediction, I kind of forgot about how Johnny Gargano sees himself, the character, or how the character sees himself. Okay. Because I thought he was just playing a straight-up bad guy who thinks he's a good guy. And he is, uh, but I forgot to sort of really weigh that in, like, where they can go with the character. So you can either right. take the ending of this match literally... Where Alistair Black says, I absolve you of your sins, which means attacking Alistair and injuring him and costing him the title in the first place and all that stuff. You can take that literally to mean that Johnny Gargano has been washed clean of all of these things. And he yeah. can, you could. And that, he, okay. and that he could come back as good guy Johnny Gargano, who has realized what he had become or was on the verge of becoming. And he can come back and they can still work their way back in through Champa stuff. Cause they weirdly did sort of keep mentioning that Champa is his nemesis, but if they're both bad guys, I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how that works. So that's a possibility. Maybe. Other possibility is that Johnny Gargano, like I said, still feels like he's the good guy, but he lost here. So maybe being a good guy isn't all it's cracked up to be. And instead of being the bad guy who thinks he's a good guy, he goes full dark and is the bad guy who knows he's a bad guy. Oh, maybe. And maybe that's how he starts picking up momentum instead. Possibly. So there is room. I think there's room character-wise that they could take Johnny Gargano. Oh, there definitely is. And I'm excited to see where it leads. Yeah, me too. Hopefully more to come. Yes. Uh Next match, uh, next match. Speaking of Champa, Tommaso Champa, Velveteen Dream for the NXT Championship. Uh, this, I thought this ended spectacularly. Although it is not the ending that you were hoping for. Yes, agreed. Uh, it's not the end. Slow though. It's not the ending the fans were hoping for either. Uh, for me, what I didn't enjoy as much was the beginning of the mm-hmm. match. Number one, I don't know how I feel about Velveteen Dream coming out in Hulk Hogan garb, uh, which is what he was coming out in. But, Uh, like, why? So, there's two things. There are people who have told me... There are people who have told me two different stories about this. Mm Because there's there's my perception, which is they are warming up to bringing him back onto television, which I am thoroughly against same mostly because he said a bunch of racist things and then only apologized for getting busted yeah no Uh, he should not be coming back to tv which makes it even weirder that there is a man of color wearing hogan stuff and coming out and doing hogan poses Mm, that's fair it felt like they were celebrating him especially since he dream did a lot of his he did like the big boot and the leg drops and the poses and all of this other stuff it felt like it was a celebration of this guy that they want to try to squeeze back onto TV and hope that the nobody gets mad and calls sponsors or anything like that. Uh, okay. So I've been told, so that was my impression, but I've also been told that he's actually trolling Hogan because when, that pa- would... 
Because, Yo, go ahead. Because when he was on Tough Enough, apparently, Hogan was one of the judges on that show until, I guess, his tape came out and then they took him off. But okay. apparently he had really harsh words for him, Hogan did, oh. uh, for Patrick Clark slash Velveteen Dream on that show. And that and that he takes pride in trolling him by coming out in his gear and doing his mannerisms and stuff. But if you don't know that that happened and you listen to the commentary, because the commentary wasn't like burying Hogan or talking about like, you know, he's uh, sending a message to, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It felt very celebratory. So to me, it just felt like they're celebrating this guy that I think is kind of horrible. So I didn't think I so I also don't like Hogan, but I don't even remember them talking that much about him. No, I mean not um, really, like it was mostly yeah. Nigel, but he was you know very gleefully making some like Hogan references without saying his name. But but so but so what I thought was it was more satire. Mm-hmm. That I, that's how I took it anyway, because I just think I think that's what Velveteen Dream does though. Like he does right. You could be right. He does satire in. Um, with his gear and his entrances and all that. That's yeah. that's always what I get from him. Like, I just think he's, he's just the flamboyant guy making fun of anyone he can. Champa's uh, entrance is excellent because it's just him clutching the belt to his chest the whole time. <laughs> yes. Like, he's scared someone's going to steal it. Uh, I loved it. And uh, actually, I don't know if you caught this. Uh, I only caught it on a rewatch. But there is a moment when Ciampa's in the ring, the last part of his entrance, he just gets in the ring and he, he holds the belt up and then he just lovingly looks up at it yes. uh, as the light is shining off of it. And they cut to this shot where you can see Ciampa looking at the belt, but you also see Dream in the background and Dream is looking at the belt and he slowly removes his shades staring at the belt. <laughs> like he's just seen the most gorgeous woman he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> I'm telling you, the acting on this show, top notch. I thought it was really, really, like, just a really cute little touch. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Uh, so the beginning of the match, I, like I said, I kind of, it was weird. Like, it wasn't just that Dream did these Hogan moves, but he also did, like, um, a Shawn Michaels thing. He did a Bret Hart thing. It was like he was recreating the like the mid-90s Monday Night Wars, like, all in this match. I was just gotcha. waiting for him to bust out, like, a People's Elbow or a Stone Cold Stunner. Like, he he didn't do that those, but... awesome. <laughs> Sorry. But, so, it's once they got past that, that's when the match really started to pick up. And yeah. I thought it ended up getting really good, especially near the end. Right. So I didn't pick up on that Dream was doing other people's moves. Yes. Um, because I don't know them. Um, yeah. But what I was getting out of it was almost that it was like, it almost made the the beginning of the match almost seem like he was out of his league. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not, yeah. that's not, that's not what it should be. There was I almost, don't know. And, and from him doing a bunch of other people's moves, like from my perspective, it almost felt like it wasn't, serious I guess mm. like I was looking at it like oh he's doing all these other people's moves like it didn't feel like he was taking the match seriously I don't seriously. know it, it felt weird uh, but then once we got past that phase it it really picked up uh, and mm-hmm. there were there were a lot of uh, they eventually got into the whole trading near falls uh, and things mm-hmm. like that uh, but where the match really took a great turn uh, 
was when Champa tried to give Dream his draping DDT onto the concrete. But yes. Dream pushed him off and then went tumbling over the announcer's desk. And then yep. Champa threw a notebook at Moro Ronaldo. And yes. the fans were so offended by this. Right. Like, who who hates Moro? And Moro is just standing there in shock, terrified of Champa. And Champa's screaming at him. And then Dream picks him up and gives him his, his Dream Valley driver on the floor. He throws him yeah. into the ring. He does the purple Rainmaker elbow off the top. Like, everybody thought this was it. Yep. Like, <laughs> the crowd was count. It sounded like everybody in that building was counting along with the referee. And yes. when he kicked out, people could... I mean, and that felt like it was the end. I yeah. I had bought it. I'm like, oh my god, they're putting the belt on this guy. Uh, mm -hmm. But they didn't. He kicked out. And I... Champa fooled... He lured Dream into a false sense of security. Is Champa kicks out of this elbow, but then he stumbles uh, through the ropes and is half laying on the apron. And Dream goes to do his elbow off the top rope onto the apron, but Champa moves and Dream crashes really hard on the yep. ground. That actually looked kind of scary, actually. And uh, yeah. Champa brings him back into the ring, gives him his hanging DDT on the metal plating the barrier between the two rings mm -hmm. drags his lifeless body back into the ring and pins him. I should also note that Champa at this point was working with only one boot on as he had one boot and then just a sock. <laughs> That's right. He did take his shoe off. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh my God. This, this match was like bananas. Like, it, it, it was really, really like, weird and great. It, that's how it ended. And, um, but I just think that this, like, some of the things that Champa did, like, when he tore up, like, the padding around the ring to, like, expose the concrete, mm -hmm. he threw the notepad at Morrow. He, like, he used the the metal partition. Like, it just kind of solidifies his, like, bad guy status. Mm -hmm. Like, I, the, he's he is the baddie of NXT. <laughs> I thoroughly, I, I was able to laugh at the Morrow thing on the second viewing because it was just great to watch the reactions <laughs> but I it was so unexpected to me that when he did yes. it I was like, <gasps> like he threw a thing at Moro like, like does nobody that? nobody does that anymore nobody attacks the announcers these days <laughs> yeah. and uh, I was but I mean Dream capitalized on that moment and they did that false finish yes. so quickly thereafter that I didn't really have time to appreciate like what a great little bad guy move that was yeah, because uh, they kept chugging along, but on on repeat viewing, yeah, yeah, that was that was tremendous. And it's one of those things where it's like if you're gonna do it to announce to an announcer, I feel like Morrow appreciates being part of the show like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean uh, Percy Watson, people wouldn't care as much about, and Nigel McGuinness, you know, people would expect him to fight back because most of those fans know that Nigel was a used to be a very good wrestler, right. Uh, so Moro is like the non-athlete of the group because Percy was also a wrestler once upon a time. Right. But uh, so Moro is like the non-athlete of the group, and everybody loves Moro. Yes. So he's like, your ultimate good guy. <laughs> just throwing something at him, people were just taken so aback and clutching pearls over it. Like, how dare you throw paper at Moro Ronaldo? You, sir, are a jerk. Yes. Uh, oh, it was lovely. Uh, so yeah, at the end of the day, I ended up really liking 
the match. It was just really weird at first how it started it was. for me. Just very slow. Yeah. Uh, again, they didn't have anybody to premiere at ringside, so they showed Nita Strauss, who is the really cool guitar player lady who played Shinsuke Nakamura to the ring at WrestleMania this year. And she also played that song at the beginning of the evolution pay-per-view this year. And she's like a big wrestling fan. Actually, she's similar to you. I just listened to her on a podcast, talk about her wrestling fandom and hers just started this year. Yeah. Weirdly enough, because her boyfriend is a big fan and got her to watch. It's, it's how we all get into it. <laughs> now she's like a mega fan. <laughs> she loves it. Uh, main yeah. event, Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders against the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong in the War Games match. Uh, mm-hmm. Team good guys all wore matching face paint, as you do. I appreciated that. To show yeah. solidarity. All of these men had beards to some extent, and they were all brave enough to have the face paint go into the beards, which mm-hmm. I would not have done. I, I mean, if I if I were to do it, then that's just you just shave it. I'm not going to try to wash that stuff out. <laughs> just a shave. We'll just move on from that. Like, like Ricochet's beard looked extra thick, so I bet you he's just trimming off the white paint. <laughs> yeah, Pete Dunne was the cheatiest because he doesn't have a lot of facial hair. So that's true. <laughs> uh, so it starts with Adam Cole and Ricochet are the two that start, which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go back and forth for quite a while. Nothing... Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a lie. I was going to say nothing overly spectacular, but I forgot that Ricochet did a springboard from one ring and then oh, yeah. jumped over the other ring and did a like a flying uppercut to Adam mm-hmm. Cole, which was ridiculous, but far from the most ridiculous thing that Ricochet did in this match. It's so true. Um, and then... Uh, Every now and again, the the buzzer would go off, and a new member of each team would come out. So it started out with Kyle O'Reilly coming in, uh, taking mm-hmm. advantage of that advantage that they had uh, from last week's NXT episode. And they did a two-on-one uh, on Ricochet. And then it was Good Guy's turn to come in, and Pete Dunne wanted to be the guy who was out of the cage first. So badly. But Roe holds him back for Hanson to go in. And the fans actually seemed a little upset, like, whoa, what's going on here? Is there, like, some dissension? But weirdly enough, I really... This is the one thing I enjoyed quite a bit commentary-wise on the show. You had guys like Nigel McGuinness and Mauro Ronaldo talking about the strategy of this match. And that you had Ricochet start first because he's got the stamina. Mm -hmm. And once Ricochet started getting double-teamed, though... You wanted to send in a big heavy hitter to help, you know, not just even up the odds, but get sort of an advantage of your own. This was my favorite individual entrance of this match, though, was Hanson, because I've seen War Raiders before, before they were in NXT a few times, but I'm not super, super familiar with them. And I learned in this match that looks can be deceiving with this Hanson fellow. He has so much gas in the tank. He does. There was and, this... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what bothered me about the, about this, actually, this was probably my least favorite commentary, was they kept saying, they kept commenting on how he looked 
and how he didn't look it's like just because he's a bigger dude doesn't mean like he's clearly training like he has endurance like it yeah. really bothered me that they kept harping on that i think I, I'm like, i think they're type, get over it i think they're commenting on a perspective of somebody who's maybe watching that's unfamiliar because if you do see a guy who's bigger like that who's heavy and then he's got this long hair and kind of the super long beard you think like yeah, if you're watching for the first time, you're like, that guy seems like he'd be pretty slow. Hanson Hansen does this thing where he's doing these corner clotheslines where he's running back and forth, and he mm-hmm. did it, like, ten times. <laughs> and he was not out of breath. Like, I'd be dead. Like, no quit. But that's my thing, is that it's like, they're all part of, like, they're professional wrestlers. Their job yeah. is to be in shape. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like they have to have some kind of stamina, ye, some kind of endurance. Like and yes. it just bothered me. In ye olden anyway. days, there were a lot of guys who were Hanson's size who could not move around like he does. So things have definitely changed. Like he's in here doing cartwheels. I think that was later so cool. later in the match, he does a handspring off the ropes and does a flying back elbow. Yes, he does. He does a flying splash from one ring to inside another. Like, he's oh my gosh. ridiculous in this match. Nothing, not to do with this match, but I cannot wait for War Raiders versus Heavy Machinery. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. When is that coming? Hopefully soon. Huh. Now that you mentioned right? it, I didn't know I wanted that until just now. That'll be a good time. Everyone wants it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, Hansen comes in, and then I think it was Roderick Strong who... He came yeah. in and had a. He looked really awesome when he came in. Uh, yeah, did a lot of cool stuff. Did a million backbreakers to ricochet. Chopped people really hard. Was super duper strong, mm-hmm. as his last name indicates. Yes, uh, he looked really good. Then Roe came in. He's like, "Hold on, Pete Dunn. I'm gonna come in now to help even up the odds." So Roe came in. Him and Hanson destroyed a bunch of fools. Yes, uh, that's a lot of fun to watch them just double team people. Yes, they they like like wrecking balls. And then Bobby Fish, the knee jerk, is the last man out. And of course, Pete Dunn is over there caught in his cage. The man whose knee he he wrecked, Pete Dunn's leg is all taped up. And Bobby Fish steals the lock from his cage from the referee. And he goes and adds that lock to Pete Dunn's cage and then throws away the key... So this way, Pete Dunn is stuck in his cage and will not be able to join the team, which, of course, it's it's a half-genius move, but also kind of a dumb move as well because the match can't start officially until the right. last man enters. But right. it allows them time to really, like, go four-on-three on these guys. Uh, yes. This is where, I'll admit... Uh, this is where the match kind of sloped downwards a little bit for me, actually. Because I mean, the chairs came out. I thought it was really funny that they had chairs that had the Undisputed Era logo on them. Like I that, agree. That felt very cartoon villain to me for some reason. Yeah, oh, because it is. Uh, but yeah, so like when they brought in all the weapons, that's when it kind yes. of slowed down for me. Because it's just dudes hitting each other with things. Yes. Which is... It's okay in small doses, but it's but not too it, many people. It's less okay when there's eight people all hitting each other with things. Uh, yes. More things get introduced when a bunch of referees came out with a bolt cutter and literally cut Pete Dunn out of this cage. Right. And he grabbed trash cans and kendo sticks and tables. 
the tables were put to good use, the kendo sticks and trash cans to less good use. Yes. Um, they, they had a couple of really good table spots. Uh, I believe Bobby Fish speared Ray Rowe through one of the tables, which actually didn't seem scary at first, but then I realized the table was set up against, because uh, they put it up in the divider, right, between the yes. two rings. So the yes, table was did. the table was leaning up against two ring posts, which are just cement posts. Yep. And I just realized how scary it would have been if his head slammed into those things while taking it this move. It would not have been good. Yeah. No. Uh, and the other table break was the aforementioned Hansen jumping from the top rope of one ring over the top rope of another to splash Kyle O'Reilly through a table. Yes. Uh there was a lot of craziness. There was sometimes too many things going on for even the camera to catch stuff. Yes. Which, ooh, really quick mention, mm -hmm. whoever the cameraman is that was inside that cage. Oh, my goodness. Props. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like I was, why don't they just have a camera on, like, a tripod with, like, like through a hole in the cage? Like, mm -hmm. That would be smart. Why they, yeah. Why do they have a person in there? <laughs> they had one lone human standing in the divider. Just I felt so bad for him. Trying not to have a body thrown at him. And unfortunately for him, it didn't work because I believe there was a moment where uh, War Raiders try to go for some double team, which involves Hansen jumping off a rope. And somebody, uh, somebody stops him by launching a garbage can at his head that bounces oh. off of Hansen's head, but then very clearly also hits the cameraman as, oh the, as the camera loses focus for a moment. But how much their insurance must be anyway. Another conversation. <laughs> uh, the the huge moment in this. Well, there was a there was one big moment that led to a huge moment. The big moment was uh, they found a new way to do the Tower of Doom spot, which is a bunch of dudes pile up in some formation on the ropes in some sort of triangular formation, and then one dude comes in and literally throws them all down. Oh, yeah. And there's a big crumble of men. I thought this was particularly great because I think it's got, like, Adam Cole is, like, hanging off of the cage with, like, uh, his head is, like, in, but his legs are kind of dangling out. And then there's a okay. bunch of people, like, on the ropes trying to bring him in. And then there's other people trying to grab onto them. And then you've just got this... I thought it was almost comedic at first because oh. of the shot. But I just see Bobby Fish's head like bobbling back and forth, like at the bottom of the screen <laughs> and they cut to this wide shot and Bobby fish is on Hanson's back and Hanson yep. is moving like, like a giant cave troll from Lord of the Rings or something. Just like one step at a time, very slowly with this man on his back. And then Hanson grabs everybody's legs or something. And somehow because of physics manages to pull them all down and there's a big crash. The only person not involved in this crash is Ricochet, who is also hung up at the top of the cage at this moment. Yes. And uh, Ricochet, because he's crazy, uh, waits for everybody to stand up, and then he does a double moonsault off the top of this cage. A double backflip, essentially. Onto... It was so cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, his finishing move is the 630, which is essentially a double front flip. Right. So he just did it in reverse here. This was really cool. And, and like, you see it in... Because when you watch the replay of it, too... Because I'm looking, I'm like, did he actually hit anybody? It really looked like Adam Cole just took the brunt of his 
flip. Yeah. Like when you look at the formation, because yeah. at first I thought it was Pete Dunn, and then I'm like, oh no, he actually did like hit Adam Cole. And like, he caught, which, yeah, he caught some of Hanson as well a little bit. This <laughs> he is, caught a little bit of everyone. Yeah, this <laughs> is such a dangerous move. I, I've seen him do it a couple of times years ago from the top rope. And mm-hmm. this is higher up, obviously, than the top rope, but there's no spring for right. height. So he, like, uh, I watched this. Falling. I watched this a few <laughs> times, and he just barely made the second rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just barely made it to where he wouldn't be, like, landing on his head or anything. Uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, Mauro Ronaldo said Cirque du Ricochet. <laughs> Yep, that, and that pretty much sums it up. Because Morrow cannot help himself when it comes to references or or <laughs> things like that. Puns, uh, yeah. Yep, he's, he loves the puns. And, I mean, that was bonkers. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never thought in my life I'd see a double moonsault in WWE, but uh, I, I saw one. That was really bonkers. Uh, so, yeah, he... He did that. Uh, then that was sort of like the. Uh, uh, they took a break. Essentially, each team regrouped on each side of like the cage, yes. uh, which is actually kind of a great moment. They sort of like pulled each other towards each other, mm-hmm. and then then they. I met was really each other. hoping. Th- oh, oh, sorry. I was really hoping they were going to break out into a giant game of Red Rover. Because that's what they were, that's what it looked like. Or they do the, uh, they start doing the snaps, like the sharks and the jets. Oh, even better. (laughs) Uh, But they didn't. They they kept encroaching uh, on each other's territory until they met in the divider between the two rings. And then they just punched the crap out of each other. As you do. Until they couldn't stand anymore. Uh, Literally. And then it was down to uh, Pete Dunn and uh, Adam Cole. And Adam Cole almost had Pete Dunn beat, but Pete Dunn kicked out of his finisher. Then Pete Dunn hit the bitter end. Uh, and even though the camera never caught it, Ricochet did a springboard 450 splash onto Adam Cole. And we just saw Ricochet fly in from nowhere on our screens. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he just came out of nowhere. And uh, Pete Dunn and Ricochet both laid their hands on Adam Cole, and the referee counted to three. The good guys win. And Pete Dunn and uh, Ricochet were given their belts back. And they both look at each other's titles, and uh, they are victorious. Even though they seem to not give any shits about the War Raiders. They only cared about themselves. It's, it's true. Uh, I feel like they are building up to a for-reals-this-time champion-versus-champion match with a for-reals winner. So That would be awesome. I would be very excited to see that. So, uh, your thoughts on this crazy War Games match? Yes. So, I, I think I might have enjoyed it a little bit more than you. Mm-hmm. Um I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I I am going to echo what you said. Hanson and Roe, I thought were phenomenal, and for being, um, you know, maybe not the most athletic looking in the ring, were are definitely like deserved to be there mm-hmm. um, with their athleticism. The one thing I am going to point out, um, or the one thing I am going to comment on, is I did not realize how physically strong Roderick Strong was because he was picking up Hanson and Roe. Oh yeah multiple times throughout the match i'm just like holy crap like he is not they were he's not, not a really tall was, guy no he, he's not a really big guy and just to be doing i'm like holy shit he <laughs> like, was not and he was not struggling no to keep these men in the air 
So like, right. So it's it's one of those things when you look at Undisputed Era, I'm like, oh, they have like I think the reason why Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly work is because Roderick Strong is like your big strong guy who could just like hit people mm-hmm. but doesn't look like it, and Kyle O'Reilly is more of your like um your flexible man, like your yeah. rubber band guy. So I, yeah. so just that was awesome. Um but I just thought a lot of the things were really cool. There were a lot of cool flips. At one point, the Undisputed Era was in one ring. Something was happening. I'm like, I'm like, what you have to do is you have to send Ricochet in by flipping him in and or like throwing him in, and they did it. And I was like, see, told you. Oh like, yeah, but they were doing the they were doing the border defense. Yeah, they had like, <laughs> like Pete Dunne in like a double submission, and the other yep. two guys were like playing defense, preventing them from like getting getting to him to save him. So the yeah, like, War Raiders just threw Ricochet at them. Like, that's what you do. I'm like, this is, that was the perfect use, like, of a team. It was that, <laughs> like, that scene from Thor Ragnarok where, yeah. like, Loki's like, we're not going to do help me. And then they cut it. It's like, I need help. And then he throws Loki at the bad guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's exactly what this was. It's a, and But, like, and I thought they used everyone's strengths very well in this I would match. agree. Uh, here's my only... My only true complaint about uh, about this match, and really it ties into the show sort of a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's my only complaint. And by complaint, I really mean it's more of a, a quibble. It's a, okay. it's a here's what I would have preferred to have seen oh, uh, okay. to make things better. This War Games match went 45 minutes. Mm. It was long. Uh, last year's War Games match was long as well, but... It only went about 37 minutes. And for me, there's a lot of amazing moments in this. And there was a lot of time well spent. But I also felt like 45 minutes was a bit... I felt like there were too... Like, you have to have peaks and valleys, but I thought there were... I thought there were too many valleys in this match, and I thought the valleys went for too long. I would have... Okay. I would have shortened this match. I don't know by how much, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And I would mm. have given a little bit of that time to Shayna and Kyrie because I think they only got about 10 minutes for a three falls match. Which That's is fair. I'm, well, that match was good. Like, we really it liked it. It could have been longer. They yeah. could have given it a little bit more time to develop those because otherwise, in the 10 minutes, they had to do those falls relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would have given a little bit of time to Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono to actually have a match. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but that's outside of that. Uh, those yeah. are my only quibbles. I don't think that this was uh, my favorite takeover of the year, but there's been a lot of competition this year. Okay. This was a great show. It was a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't know if it's, I still think maybe the New Orleans show on WrestleMania weekend might be my favorite still, but uh, it's it's really, it's one of those situations where there's just, there's not a bad, I've, I've never seen a bad takeover and this is right in oh, line. Oh, you this just jinxed coming. it. You think we'll get a, you think we'll, the next one we'll get won't be good? Yes. Ah, oh, not good. <laughs> I, it always, it always blows my mind to hear, uh, I'll always read like oh, I'm not feeling all that hyped going into takeover, or I'll read news that the tickets are the ticket sales are a little sluggish, and it always blows my mind because all of the talk after every takeover is that's amazing, like what an incredible yeah. show. Like by now, you should just know that <laughs> it's 
you don't have to worry about you not being that hyped. The show is going to be incredible, and you know that. And what are you waiting for on buying tickets? It's going to be an incredible show. Uh, I don't know why, but it always gets... Everyone's probably just waiting for the fall. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, not everything can be great. They're like, and then it's yeah, like, they're Pixar right now. Yes. They haven't basically. made Cars 2 yet. That's what yeah. it is. Like, they had a couple of takeovers that were, like, cars, where people are like, okay, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't tremendous. Right. They haven't made their Cars 2 yet. So. So. They're still on that we'll Pixar, see. they're still on that Pixar undefeated streak of amazing movies. That's uh, true. So we'll see what happens. Okay. So, uh, Jacqueline, what would you give TakeOver War Games 2? And we go by quarters here, right? Yeah, we're doing, how we rate things. we're doing quarters, yeah. I'm going to go with a solid four and a half, though. Okay. I truly enjoyed this. Yeah, that's like right, that's like right about where I'm at as well. It, it would have been higher if Velveteen Dream. I mean, oh my goodness, if he had won <laughs> after that elbow. Right. Holy cow, that place would have, that place would have imploded. Erupted. Yeah. That's so. crazy. Uh, okay, so... Uh, that's the show for this week. Uh, thanks to the good people over at Adam Tickets for sponsoring cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Just search for What Comes NXT and hit subscribe. A uh, little bit different than usual next week since it's the Hangover NXT episode. Uh, we won't be talking too much about that. Instead, Jacqueline and I are going to be reviewing a couple of episodes of NXT UK. So uh, we'll come back next week and talk about the tournament, the continuing tournament to crown the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion.